Welcome to Always Andersonville, the podcast. I'm Laura. And I'm Sarah. Today, we are joined by Celia Bucci, board-certified massage therapist and owner of Prevent Chronic Pain. Massage therapy can help reduce symptoms, improve daily activity, and help prevent aches, pains, and stress from becoming chronic. Celia provides massage therapy for relaxation, stress relief, and rehab following injury, surgery, and more at 5115 North Ravenswood. Welcome, Celia. Thank you for joining us. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, we'd love to start by you telling us a bit about yourself and your background. Where are you from? How did you come to Chicago? And how did you become a massage therapist? I am from the southeast side of Chicago, so I grew up near and um, have lived in Chicago for most of my life. Um, uh, I kind of came into massage therapy a little bit by accident, and it was because I spent some time in the Caribbean and I experienced a culture that moved at a snail's pace, and I thought to myself, I kind of want to live that sort of life. <laughs> and so I came back home and just thought about um, what kind of career change could I make that would allow me to just slow it down. So prior to that, I worked in the arts and um, it was a hectic but exciting life. Um, but I think I just wanted to slow down. And what was about the culture in the Caribbean that you experienced? Like, where were you? And what was so enticing about that? Was like the schedule of their day, their work-life balance? Um, well, because of the temperatures, um, their their work day is very different. They start early in the morning and they finish early. And then they spend the afternoon just hanging out with each other, playing soccer, enjoying each other. But I think it was more just... Um, <clears throat> You know, small examples like being in a grocery store behind um, a customer who knew the checkout clerk and they would talk to each other for minutes and minutes and minutes. And you couldn't, you know, like huff and puff about hurry up or because the culture just didn't move that way. And it it was so pleasant to me to just see people waiting. And you and I have had other conversations about both being Italian and from Italian families. So it kind of sounds a little bit like um, the old country, you could say, or being in Italy as well. I definitely felt that. I, it definitely reminded me of growing up. Um, you know, my family all stayed very close together. A lot of them moved to the United States at around the same time. They moved to Chicago and were close to each other and... We spent a lot of time together when I was growing up and meals took hours and there were hours of socializing after the meals and um, we spent a lot of time together just hanging out. And I guess that kind of reminded me of that. Well, Celia, why don't you walk us through the process of becoming a massage therapist? What was that like for you? Well, I have to say that when I first started looking for my path into this field, I didn't know a lot about massage therapy. And I didn't know that there are different kinds of massage therapy, that there are different kinds of training. And I have to say that I think it might have been slightly accidental that I chose a clinical program, because it was the one that started soonest. And it was the one that I could accomplish given my work schedule. Um, but sometimes I think that might have been divine intervention, because it's the perfect kind of work for me. Um, so the program that I went to was um, very laser focused on clinical anatomy and clinical physiology and clinical reasoning and neuromuscular therapy. And I didn't know that those things existed when I first went in. I just wanted a career, you know, that would slow my life down. 
Um, but uh, it turns out that I loved that science and it really stimulated a lot of thought processes for me and connections to overall health and not just musculoskeletal health. And um, I'm really grateful that that accident happened. And what led you to opening up your own private practice? Well, I didn't at first. I, um, I worked for a wide variety of different kinds of places because I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure. But I think one of the reasons that I ended up opening up the practice is because um, to do clinical reasoning, you have to collect a lot of information. And in certain kinds of other environments, massage establishments, there's not a lot of time. You don't have a lot of time to do a full intake or to ask a lot of questions. And you sometimes don't have a lot of control over how the appointment goes. And that's not to say that they're not also therapeutic and beneficial, but the way that I wanted to work I just felt like I needed to have enough time with people to really understand the bigger picture. Sort of like the line at the grocery store. That's right. Slowing it down. You're absolutely right. So can you walk us through what a typical appointment is like with you, especially with your focus? And what advice for folks would you pass on who maybe have never received a massage before and are nervous about their first visit? Can I start with the second question first? So the very you first can. thing that I... <laughs> The first thing that I want to say about finding a massage therapist or honestly any healthcare provider is to check the um, Illinois Department of Financial and Professional Regulation website to make sure that the person that you are going to see is licensed and hasn't been disciplined. And um, that's not uncommon. It's not uncommon for people to practice without a license. It's not uncommon for people who have been disciplined to practice even though they have lost their license. And actually, I shouldn't say it's not uncommon because most of us are licensed and we're practicing legally and everything is fine. But it definitely happens. And I recently, um, there was a post on Nextdoor um, and somebody was looking for a massage therapist. And, um, you know, I always, I always do a Google search on every of the other massage therapists that are listed there because I'm always looking for someone that I want to see. And I try to see a lot of different people so I get a feeling for what people are doing. And... I always look to see if they're licensed. And there were definitely people in that list who weren't licensed. And so I think that that's the first most important thing. Make sure that they're licensed because that means that they have proper training. It means that they had to pass an exam to get that license. Um, and that just ensures at the very least that they have basic skills and that they understand um, cautions and contraindications because massage is not safe for everybody. Most people, but not everybody. That's such great advice. I've never heard it that way before. And I think that's really helpful to share with people that that's even a resource out there for people. I never thought, you know, when you think about healthcare providers in general or, 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 or people providing a service in that way, like seeking services themselves and like the massage therapist getting a massage. I mean, it makes total sense, but not something that I would I would think about. Oh, yes. I'm always searching. And I've had many fabulous, wonderful massages from people in this neighborhood. Well, back to the first part of the question. Walk us through an appointment, um, and especially with your focus, what mm -hmm. that looks like. Um, I would say maybe half of the people that I see are referred to me by another healthcare provider. Um, about, you know, the other half are, e half are either referred by my clients or they find me on my website, but that's a lot rarer, that it's not a referral. Um, and I guess I'm just going to sort of maybe pick a condition to make it sound somebody has chronic headaches um i don't take appointments online and the main reason for that is that if somebody is coming to me for a, sp a specific set of signs and symptoms i want to talk to them first 
because I want to make sure that massage therapy or my practice is something that is going to benefit them. So I don't want to waste their money. I don't want to waste their time if I can't help them, if I don't think that there's a chance that I can reduce their symptoms or improve uh, their activities of daily living. So I always talk to a client on the phone first if they have a condition. And then um, if I ask them if they have any kind of medical records that might help me understand, like if they've recently had MRI or something like that, I'll ask them if they are willing to share it with me and, and often they'll send it to me and I review those and do whatever research that I might need to do about their condition if it's something that I'm not already deeply familiar with or um, if there's a nuance to their case that requires a little bit of research. When they come to see me, I give them some paperwork that asks a lot of questions about your past medical history and any other kinds of contributing factors. And then um, uh, I sort of explain what I think might be contributing to their signs and symptoms and what I'm going to try to do to address those signs and symptoms, and I make sure that they're okay with it. I give all of my clients a pain scale so that um, uh, it's, uh, I think, no pain, no gain is one of those uh, phrases that people sort of attach to, but it doesn't work in my clinic. <laughs> I want people's nervous system to be very relaxed. So I always say on a scale of one to 10 to let me know when my pressure starts to be at about a five, because after that, then a person's nervous system gets a little bit excited and then we're working against each other. I'm trying to relax the nervous system. I don't want to excite the nervous system. So I give them a pain scale and then I start to work. Um, and um, um, after the hour, I ask them about how they're feeling and sort of give them a treatment plan for future visits. If, if it requires, many people don't. You know, mm -hmm. some people will come in, they get a massage and one helps and they just come back when they start to feel symptoms again. But a lot of the types of people that I see um, follow a treatment plan. And let's talk about the importance of touch. Research continues to prove that massage is an important therapy for many conditions. After a massage, stress hormones drop and mental focus improves. What are some other benefits of massage? Well, oh my goodness, there are just so many. And I, I but I think the touch part is among the most important. And uh, we are a pretty touch averse culture. We tend to want our space to be private and protected, and um, we are a little bit suspicious of people who hug and touch. And, you know, I'm Italian, so we're <laughs> always hugging and touching and kissing. And I, this is a little bit off the subject, but I remember um, with my closest group of friends, whenever I would leave, I would always hug or give a hug on the cheek, a uh, kiss on the cheek or something like that. And in the beginning, there was always that little step back. But now, Everybody is hugging and giving each other a kiss on the cheek, and it's just a beautiful thing to see. Um, you know, there's a lot of research about many benefits for many different conditions, whether, and it's not always um, the treatment of the condition itself, but improving the activities of daily living or symptoms like um, sleeplessness or um, anxiety or, um, you know, those kinds of things. So right now, one of the big areas that's being researched is massage for cancer. And this is not uh, for cancer patients. Um, this is uh, not a specialty of mine. I would always refer somebody to, ha uh, to, who to somebody who has better training than me or more training than me in that specialization. But there's a lot of research that shows that improvements in um, 
signs and symptoms that are not necessarily cancer signs and symptoms actually help the person heal uh, better. You know, for me, my focus is musculoskeletal orthopedic. So um, I focus a lot of my attention on fascia and areas of the musculoskeletal, neuromusculoskeletal system where things are not um, functioning smoothly, where things are maybe either kind of bound together or um, there's some sort of a compression because of a wide variety of things. That, that needs to just be opened up and loosened so that either the joint can move more freely or the nervous system functions more freely or circulation is a little bit more open uh, to an area. And where do you find most folks carry their stress? In their shoulders and neck, I would say. Although I have to say I've been seeing a lot more uh, hip um, conditions lately. We were just talking about that earlier. And that may because maybe because it's winter and people are protecting their gate because of ice and snow and other things like that. But I would say no matter what somebody comes in for, most people ask me also to address their neck and shoulders. And do you have a particular, um, you know, favorite muscle group you like to work with? <laughs> um, I don't, I don't think so. No. <laughs> I, I, there are no favorites. No. You love them all equally. I, you know, I really love the challenge. I love I love getting a new client whose case is a little bit different than somebody else's. And I, I mean, I, it, it sounds like I'm talking about doing experiments and I don't mean to, I don't mean to say that I'm experimenting on anybody, but when I get something new that's challenging, it sort of helps me understand what the pathway into uh, that pain relief might be and whether or not massage is actually going to work so that I know for future cases whether or not to refer the person to somebody else or whether it's a case that I can handle. You know, I, I think if I were to say what my favorite ones are, I I love working with the nervous system. So I'm really happy when I'm working with numbness and tingling in the hands or feet or um, that kind of thing. Well, the human... I shouldn't say I'm really happy because I'm very sorry that people are <laughs> suffering. But I, uh, a lot of my clients will tell you that I'm usually having so much fun when I'm working I just enjoy the work so much, and the, the more challenging, the better. I mean, I was just going to say that it's so interesting, you know, how I don't think we appreciate, like, the complexity of the human body. And so when you're touching certain muscle groups that may be away from that source of pain, how it alleviates the pain center. So. You know, and sometimes that intervention is so simple. I always sort of wish that um, people learn more about anatomy and physiology really young, because... To some degree, if you know where a muscle starts and where it stops, you can figure out how to stretch it properly, you know, but but we don't learn those things over time. And so for me, it seems really simple because I know the musculoskeletal anatomy really well. But I have to remind myself that, you know, we haven't all learned that. And so it's not as obvious to somebody that you, you know, move your head this way to stretch, you know, to stretch that muscle or, but I wish more people did know it because I think you know, I think the initial stages of what becomes chronic pain, um, in many cases, not in all cases, there are a wide variety of reasons that people um, develop chronic pain. But in many cases, that initial moment, um, I think, can can be resolved with a very simple intervention. Um, and not, that's not to say that that pain won't come back, but it would be intermittent instead of chronic, which I think, you know, is a better outcome. 
I'm always surprised when I see an article or something about chronic pain and it references just how many people are living with chronic pain that you don't you don't know. You know, it's not maybe outward. Um, and can you just shed some light for us on, you know, if you have a family member or a friend who is living with chronic pain, who is probably going about their lives as normally as possible, like what what is the best thing that you can do to support somebody in that way? understand and don't doubt them. Um, Pain is not something that you can see. And it's really easy to think that because somebody is going to work every day that they're exaggerating the pain that they're feeling. But people go to work every day in extraordinary pain. So just believe them. Um, I think that's the best thing you can do. And just listen. We are hopefully coming out of a very harsh winter season. Although I don't know, I, I feel like some people are sending like warriors to Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania to find that groundhog and see what he was. (laughs) I don't know. That hasn't been in your Facebook feeds this week. Maybe just because I'm from Pennsylvania. Okay. All groundhog references, though. (laughs) Smart. Smart, Laura. Yeah. So we're coming out of this harsh winter. And just what could you pass along? What are kind of some of the most common issues that people are dealing with this time of the year? What can we do to loosen ourselves up? Well, I think, like I said, the thing that I've been seeing a lot lately is um, hip and ankle and knee pain. And I think it has a lot to do with navigating the ice and the snow and and that kind of thing. Uh, I'm not, uh, let me actually backstep on that because I don't think that that's necessarily the cause of it. It's much more likely that because we're sitting all the time, things are tight and bound together and stuck. And then when we have to use our bodies to not slip on the ice, the, you know, the the tissues are not quite prepared for that kind of impact. And then they don't, they don't have their sort of regular recoil and reaction and, you know, spasm happens and that kind of thing. Um, you know, I just can't recommend um, finding a position that is the polar opposite of the one that you spend your entire day in. So if you're sitting all the time, do a backbend or some version of a backbend or, you know, uh, one of the things that I do for myself because I'm always kind of bent over and and doing a lot of resisted activity in my job is I um, I roll up a blanket um, and then just put it in the middle of my back and lay on the ground with, you know, my my hips nice and straight and my back slightly bent and my pectoral muscles, my chest muscles just opened up as much as possible because that's the opposite of what I do every day. Um, so, you know, yoga, meditation, walking is my favorite kind of exercise and um, both for mind and body. And um, I am not uh, a big proponent of the warrior type exercising. I'm I especially for people who are in pain or or tend toward it. I think that gentle, soft, um, prolonged activity is um, better for people in that state. Yeah, those are some really good just self care tips. And I being in Andersonville, we commonly like to say, you know, that you don't have to leave the neighborhood to um, increase or better your quality of life and take care of yourself. And I think one thing that's so amazing about our chamber membership and our network is we just have this huge network of health and wellness practitioners and so many different ways in which people can take care of themselves, like here within a half mile radius of it's, where they live. It's so convenient here. Um, and it's true that you can get your nice, slow 15-minute walk on your way to your yoga class or to see your chiropractor or, um, you know, it's very convenient here. And now we even have Swedish Covenant Clinic, which 
you know, now we have it all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what has been your experience as a health and wellness practitioner, this service provider, really caring for people? But you're also a small business owner and dealing with, you know, promotions and marketing and financials. And so what has your experience been being a small business owner and, and being a woman entrepreneur? Oh, golly. Um, I don't know how to say this without it sounding wrong, but I, I kind of don't always think of myself as a small business owner. I um, don't put I don't put a lot of um, my time or resources into things like marketing. And I just got a website for the first time last year. And my business has always been pretty actively word of mouth. And um, I, I did the website because now word of mouth has really changed. And you can get a recommendation from somebody. But if the person you recommend isn't on the internet, they don't matter. So I did build a website. Um, and I have definitely met a lot of referring providers through the activities that I've done with the chamber. So thank you very much for that. I've gotten a lot of referrals from other practitioners, and I now have a network of practitioners that I can refer to, too. And that that's really helpful because I think before joining the chamber, I was my practice was pretty isolated. It was just me in a room with somebody who was probably asleep, you know, um, and this is really sort of opened up a network for me of um, referrals back and forth. That's been super helpful to my clients, especially. Well, Celia, you wrote a book titled Conditioned Specific Massage Therapy and have been a contributing author in a vast amount of handbooks used for teaching. What do you enjoy most about teaching future massage therapists? And from your experience, why do you think people get into the field? I think people get into the field for often the same reason I did, that they want a change in the culture of their work environment, that they they want more independence, they want um, more freedom uh, in their work. So I think that that is, and, and, and actually I also um, believe the second biggest reason that people do it is because they had an injury themselves and um, got massage therapy and it helped. And I think that's true of a lot of healthcare professions that people, yoga or acupuncture or uh, any number of other healthcare options that people experience it during their own healing process and then think, I want to give this to other people. And how did you come about writing a book? Was that always a goal or uh, what's the story? No, it wasn't a goal. So I used to be the program coordinator for a massage therapy school. And I had developed a class in this school that um, helped people develop the clinical reasoning skills that were such an important part of my practice. And this is definitely becoming more common in massage therapy schools, but back then it wasn't that common. You know, the the basic strokes and the basic sort of pathology understanding was more the focus. And then there, you know, there were there are lots of survey courses for the wide variety of different ways that you can practice massage. Um, but I always felt like no matter where you work as a massage therapist, you are very likely to get somebody who has headaches or somebody who has knee pain. And so I used this handful of very common conditions to try to provide a foundation for my students to learn clinical reasoning skills so that, you know, when they got, when they, when they came across something in their spa massage or hospital massage or wherever it was, um, that they would act, if they didn't know exactly, um, how the common treatment for this condition was, they would have clinical reasoning skills to help them figure out how they could use the skills that they do have to do the best job reducing the symptoms. So 
Um, and then um, it was the um, sales rep for uh, my publishing company came to the school to talk to me about our um, program and what books we wanted to use. And she asked me if I thought there was anything missing from the literature. And I was like, as a matter of fact, I do. And I told her and she said, you know, a lot of people are looking for that kind of book. Would you be interested in writing it? And that, of course, never occurred to me. But I was like, why not? And I did. <laughs> That's a great story. It's amazing. <laughs> Well, now we've reached the point in our show when we ask our guests, which Andersonville business would you like to trade places with for the day? Oh, just a day? Just a day. Or a weekend. That's fine. You know, um, I kind of always joke that I hope that I am reincarnated as a farmer who writes fiction during the winter. <laughs> so I think I would want to What do you switch. farm during farming season? Oh, soybeans? Know, food? No, no, no. We got enough soybeans. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so I want to switch with one of the farmers at the farmer's market and maybe women and children first. Great. <laughs> that was definitely the first time ever with that mashup. <laughs> I was like, well where done, are we going Celia. with this farmer reference? <laughs> well, thank you, Celia, for joining us today. And thank you for listening to Always Andersonville, the podcast. For more information about Celia, please visit preventconicpain.com. Show notes on today's episode can be found at andersonville.org. Always Andersonville, the podcast, is engineered and edited by Andy Miles in Studio C at Transistor, a gallery, shop, performance, recording, and teaching space located at 5224 North Clark Street. Have your own podcast idea? The studio is available to rent. Please call Andy at 312-631-9408 or stop by the store for details. <laughs>